Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we keep it real bay. We are focusing on San Francisco public banks and what people are doing around the world to push for public bank options. And we also bring you music. Our own Brenda Iescas interviews local Bay Area band Mariposas del Alma on their new EP. And we, we hear some of their music and get to know them. All this and much more. Stay tuned. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. We're going to talk about a really important issue that oftentimes doesn't consume people's minds. It just happens automatically. We get our automatic direct deposit or we make our payments and our money just goes where it goes. But we don't think too much about the impact that has. I'm very lucky to have in the studio with us Reina Tello and, and Charlie Shamas. They're both from Poder. They're also from the California Public Banking Alliance and the, and the San Francisco Public Bank Coalition. Thank you both so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. So a lot of us, you know, it took us a long time. I'm ashamed to admit how long it took me to get my money out of terrible banks and into credit unions. But it's a struggle. And people will tell you the reason they don't do this is because it makes life harder. It does. It's no accident. So what would you say to people who either say, can I just use a credit union? Isn't that the same thing as a public bank? Or when they say, you know what, this is just going to make my life. Life is hard enough. We have a lot of obstacles. You know, why should I do this? I would say, actually, the credit union is a great solution because the public bank wouldn't be a retail bank. It wouldn't be a consumer bank. We would actually partner with credit unions. But I would say get your money out of Wall Street as fast as possible. And the reasons are because they invest in things that are detrimental to our environment, not just the climate environment, but I'm talking about our environment. If there are things on the news that you disagree with, it's highly likely that Wall Street banks are funding it. And so... I would say it's an inconvenience for a little bit with a huge impact if you take your money out of Wall Street. So you're basically defunding all those horrible things you see on TV by taking your money out. And I would also add that, so for example, in the city of San Francisco, we have a $12 billion annual budget. And that $12 billion were it to go into a public banking institution that in turn would partner with local credit unions, would increase our local community investment power by $12 billion and more because those are resources that are currently leaving our communities in investments, you know, speculative investments across the country and the world that would stay in our local communities and regions. And then it doesn't even account for all of the expensive fees that our local cities are paying to corporate banks. That would be fees that would go to public banking institutions that would then get reinvested in our communities. I think it's important for people to understand we know Poded works around so many things and you all really are kind of almost the pulse of what's happening in the community. Oftentimes when I wonder, well, what's a big priority? I think about what Poded is doing. So if why have you all decided to invest time and energy into this project now? Why is this so important at this moment? I would start off by saying that, you know, we're really thirsty for more bold solutions. You know, we're, we're 
kind of living in the midst of a housing crisis, a climate crisis, a wealth and inequality crisis, a civil rights crisis. And it's absurd that 10 years after the financial crisis, we're still banking with the banks that defrauded our communities. And our communities are ready for, you know, real systemic change and solutions such as public banks that really hold our Wall Street corporate banks accountable and create alternatives in order to reinvest in our community needs are something that we're really excited about working on and joining together with other community groups and and coalitions in our city and across the state to work on. When you all think about the impact that these private banks have had, specifically in San Francisco, if you think about the people you organize with and for and your own communities, can you talk to us about some of the impacts you've seen, both of you? You know, the story for us actually starts with Standing Rock. Really, you know, the struggle that was led by the frontline and indigenous communities really became a symbol for challenging actions by corporate banks that drive the destruction of our planet. The analysis really was that we have to start at the root and hold the corporate banks accountable that were funding projects such as Dakota Access Pipeline. And in San Francisco, a local coalition was formed, the Defund Dakota Access Pipeline Coalition. You know, we're riding on some of those victories um, that they were able to win by working with our local county border supervisors to begin the process of what does it look like if we divest our public monies from those corporate banks. But Unfortunately, those kind of victories were short-lived because we discovered that there are few alternatives available to local cities and regions in terms of where they could place their public deposits if they don't place them in the big corporate banks. And that's where public banks come in. So, Reina, why don't you talk to us about what you've seen in San Francisco or at large when you think about the impact that these private banks have had? Well, when I think of the private banks... I think of how they're using our tax dollars as a private vehicle to get what they want for their profit, and we get the crumbs on what's left over. On top of the fact that we're paying a tremendous amount of money in fees for having our money stored in these banks, which you and I are familiar with that, right? How many times have you overdrawn your account by 25 cents, and it's a $35 fee, right? So you're paying these banks to hold your money for you, when it's not really a choice that we have. I mean, we all have direct deposit because it's easier. We all get paid by check because it's easier to track. So I feel like these banks have us cornered and trapped. And so we're in this system, not by choice, but because the system is set up that way. One thing I would add as well is that thinking about what are the local impacts, the reality is that all of our public monies that are in Wall Street banks are rarely invested locally. And so what we see is that the hard-earned tax dollars that we contribute to our local city coffers then go into Wall Street banks that are in turn investing in tobacco, firearms, prisons, detention centers, predatory housing loans. All of these investments are happening actually all around the world, and they're not necessarily happening in our own communities. And so we're actually losing those resources. They're leaking out of our local economies. And instead of going into investments that protect the health and welfare of people around the world, they're wreaking havoc and being very destructive in communities around the world. So we should be holding institutions accountable for how our uh, public resources are invested. And what better than to be able to reinvest them back into our local community, something that the Wall Street banks are not doing. 
So why don't you two talk to us about what Boder is doing as part of this coalition? So you all have really been thinking this issue through. It's a lot of times we think these issues are too big because we spend so much time on the defensive, just trying to protect our families from eviction, protect our families from exploitation, and all the many ways that people are under attack at this moment. So tell us about this other way of being, which is imagining a different possibility, a different world. So what are you all doing? as a coalition to push forth and move towards this goal? We have a community action team, and our action team is really kind of on the front lines of fighting displacement, you know, advocating for healthy, affordable development that really meets community needs. And our action team is very representative of folks that are our neighbors live in our in our communities, intergenerational, uh, multilingual, uh, multi-ethnic, We've had conversations about what public banks serve and what they could look like, and that those conversations are always very accessible and very easy to have in the community because people get it right away. Even for folks that are unbanked, recognize the power of being able to have banking institutions that could be community-based and accountable and reinvesting in local needs. So when we, we think about how are we ensuring that all of us, the next generation, all of us now have access to affordable um, higher education. We know that a public bank could provide affordable, low-cost financing to make sure that college is accessible to everybody. It's something that everyone wants and um, everyone gets right away. Talk about we're living in an affordable housing crisis and the system that we have to develop affordable housing actually depends on private financing from a lot of the corporate banks, which, which says something about why often we're failing our communities in terms of meeting affordable housing needs. So what would it look like if we have accountable public banking institutions that could really scale up you know, in a real large and meaningful way um, how we invest in community needs like affordable housing? These conversations are happening in the neighborhood and folks are excited and, and really want to see this kind of change happen. That's the voice of Charlie Shamas. We also have in the studio with us Reina Tello. They are both with Poder and the San Francisco Public Bank Coalition, as well as the California Public Banking Alliance. So Reina, we've heard a little bit from Charlie around some of the things that could be imagined if we had a public banking system. What are other things that you've heard from folks in the community that get people excited about this alternative? Well, if you think about the little person, right? So let me paint you a picture. Uh, you think of the small business owner who can't compete with large corporations. You think of the working class family who can't really put their kid through school without phone calls two days, three days before graduation talking about you need to pay back your loans. When you talk about people who are looking for an affordable unit to live in to be able to function on a regular basis, to have a roof over their head, right? And we talk about all these things, and all these things would be highly improved by having resources, by having money, right? And so that's where the public bank would come in. That's where a public bank, I feel, would have the interest of the community at hand. The public bank is not a faceless, heartless corporation, right? Because it's not a for-profit thing. It's Charlie's money. It's your money. It's my money. Our tax dollars invested in the community. So that small business owner that big banks don't see a profit in, we see a profit because that's our neighbor. 
That's the guy down the street who sells bread, you know? So we want to support that. And I feel like having it local, that local investment from the public bank, that's what would make these things possible. I mean, how many times do we have housing in the pipeline that can't get funded because these big corporate banks are not getting enough of a return? That's where the public bank would step in. And those loans are paid at a much lower interest, true, that interest goes right back to the city. It goes right back to us. I'm trying to paint this picture of what it is based on the conversations that I've had with people on the street because it's not as hard as people think to understand what this would be and what it would mean. If you have $20 in your pocket and you get to decide where you put it, I mean, you have a brain, you have a heart, you can see what's around you and you can see what the needs are. And if you're not here, it's kind of hard to understand those needs. So I don't expect Wall Street to understand what we need because they're on Wall Street and they're thinking about lining their pockets and thinking about their shareholders. Here locally, we're not worried about the shareholders. We're worried about the community. And so that's what this bank would be, is a vehicle to get people what they need while returning a profit to the city. That's the voice of Reina Tello. We're talking about the public bank and what San Francisco is doing to move towards it. So where is San Francisco at in this process? And do we have models either here in the United States or anywhere in the world? What are the steps hap- being taken to push for this option? There's a very highly successful public bank model that exists in the United States. It's actually a 100-year-old institution. It's the Bank of North Dakota. And public banks... In addition to what Aina was saying, are really accountable to reinvesting in community needs, public banks like the Bank of North Dakota are actually very profitable institutions. For 15 years, uh, the Bank of North Dakota has recorded record profits of 18% return on investments. During the Great Recession that occurred in the uh, the late 2000s, the Bank of North Dakota was one of the few uh, large banking institutions in the country that weathered that recession and continued to thrive um, and to continue to be stable during the Great Recession. And, and that's because their model is reinvesting in community needs and not necessarily in speculative, highly risky um, investments that will return excessive profits to shareholders. Um, one of the stories that we learned as part of this public banking movement, connecting with other communities across the state, one of um, our um, allies um, up in the Santa Rosa area was telling the story about how when the city of Santa Rosa was looking to offer a contract for banking services um, for the city of Santa Rosa, they learned that after the Great Fire, they were asking Wells Fargo, you know, what it is that you are willing to do in order to support this community that's recovering from this incredible natural disaster. And the Wells Fargo executive said that we will gladly replace everyone's burnt ATM cards and their lost lockbox keys, which really shows how out of touch um, they are with kind of the, the needs that, that existed in that community as they were recovering from that fire. In contrast, the Bank of North Dakota several years ago when there was a natural disaster, that bank issued a six-month moratorium on all repayments of student loans and home mortgage payments. And in addition to that, they issued a line of credit, you know, up to $70 million in order to finance reconstruction needs after that natural disaster. So here's an example of 
public a public bank institution can really be aligned with community needs, in touch with their communities, and can really be a tool for local communities in order to invest in what the real priorities are. So we've heard a little bit about how this has been transformative in other places. How can our listeners get involved and where is San Francisco's coalition at in terms of the work you all are doing to push this forward? I know that there's a long fight. So why don't you all tell us about steps you've taken so far and where you have to go? So in, in San Francisco, there have been some great victories, um, beginning with the, the Defund Dakota Access Pipeline Coalition that successfully pushed the Board of Supervisors to pass a resolution that would divest San Francisco from the financial institutions who are funding the DAPL. With that, the learning is there needs to be alternative institutions that can be created in order to place those public deposits. And there's a coalition that has formed and continues to grow that includes community organizations, um, labor representatives, and other organizations that are joining together with San Francisco Board of Supervisor Sandy, Sandy Fewer in order to advance a public bank option in the city. There was a city task force that was created. That task force issued a report, and they said in that report that a public bank can be viable and is possible within the city. And so there's a lot of effort now and momentum in order to continue to push the city to create a pathway in order to create a public bank. You know, what's been really amazing is to find out how the movement up and down the state has just been growing. And so learning that there's a Santa Rosa Public Bank Coalition, there's an East Bay Public Bank Coalition, there's a South Bay Public Bank Coalition, there's an LA Public Bank Coalition. There's just a huge, huge amount of movement up and down the state that wherever you are, it's not that far away from you the people who are fighting for these public banks, right? And so I would encourage people to join those coalitions and get that information that is just so necessary in moving this forward because it's just a need. And so how can people get involved? So if you have people listening that maybe they live in San Francisco and they really want to support this, or maybe they're living in another place, like you said, East Bay or South Bay, and they want to connect to their local public bank, people, you know, to get involved. But specifically, tell us about San Francisco. If we have listeners in the city that want to join forces with you all and help on this issue, what can they do? I would actually go to the California Public Banking Alliance website, which is californiapublicbankingalliance.org. Because right now, where we are in the fight to be able to do this locally, we need this permission from the state currently. And then I would follow social media. I know as tacky as that may sound, that's kind of where we communicate. And I would follow the SF Public Bank. That would be the first thing that I would do. And are there any calls for action or any immediate next steps? Today is the 25th of June. And so is there anything for July or August or anything else we should think about that people can go to meetings or they can attend rallies or call and advocate and push their decision makers to take the right action? I would start with your local decision maker and ask them to go up the chain and ask them to talk to whoever they see as their boss and make a phone call and say, hey, there's this need for a public bank 
we need to get on board and we need to support because I'm sure that every decision maker right now, this is on their radar and I'm sure they've heard of it and I'm sure that's where I would start. Yeah. Also, in addition to that, currently there are state lawmakers that are advancing a bill that will provide would, would provide a pathway for local cities to create public banks. And it's important to call your local elected officials and to urge them to enable local cities in order to charter their own public banks through a process that is accessible and a process that would allow those local communities to identify their community needs that could be met by a public bank institution. So we've had in the studio with us Reina Tello and Charlie Chamas, who are both with Poder. They've been here talking to us about the San Francisco Public Bank Coalition, all the work happening to create public banks. They're also part of the California Public Banking Alliance. And so why don't you all give us the information to stay connected? So first off, give us the information to connect to Poder's work, as well as a website or any other information to stay up on news from the San Francisco Public Banking Coalition. Okay, well, the information for the SF Public Bank is held at sfpublicbank.org. As far as the California State Alliance, it would be californiapublicbankingalliance.org. And then you can look us up at www.podersf.org. And I bet on those pages people can sign up for newsletters or, you know, any kind of rapid alert system or anything like that. Actually, when you log on to the public bank, the SF Public Bank website, there's a link right at the front page that says join our movement if you agree. Just click on the link and sign up. Well, thank you so much for coming into the studio all the way from the West Bay to the East Bay. I'm really glad that you all are here because this is an issue that affects everyone, not just people living in the city. Muchísimas gracias a ustedes dos. Gracias. Thank you very much. Real estate investors don't care about
about where they live, trying to kick them out their homes while they're trying to feed their kids. Getting rid of a culture that's been steep for years, and I can see the plan, man. They want to see you disappear, but while I'm here, I'm going to make it happen. Take some action, instead of sitting out my butt relaxing. It's more than the mission district at state, while every city and state can relate. Time to collaborate. Listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. I'm Brenda Yescas, and I have in the studio with me Mariposas del Alma. They're an amazing local Bay Area band that's new and up and coming. I'm so excited to have them on. Uh, I have Ivan, Marina, Jasmine, and Natalie from the band, and they're going to talk about their new songs and uh, touring in the Bay Area. So I'm excited to have them on. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thank you for Thank having you. us. So who's in the band? Tell me a little bit about the band and how did you all meet and how did you all start playing music? Well, that's a it's a long story, but I'm going to give you the short version of it. Basically, uh, the whole movement right now with, with uh, Discos Resaca and uh, Mariposas del Alma, it started really about 20 years ago, I would say 2001. We, you know, a group of friends and I, uh, we started playing music and, and wanted to do to play cumbia. We wanted to play music that we grew up listening to. So we started learning these songs. We started buying all kinds of uh, records, that, whatever we can get our hands on to listen and learn. Because back then there was no YouTube like now. 
if you watch YouTube, you learn how to play things, you learn about all this music. At that time, we had to we did our research, you know, by buying vinyl and listening. And then from there, we went on to have groups like Lado Oriente and uh, La Colectiva. So that took us all the way through, you know, the, the late, early 2000s, so 2008, 2009. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the same members went and you know, formed a group called uh, Toque Son, which uh, had a lot of success here in the Bay as well. After that, you know, we just kind of just did the adult thing, you know, starting families, you know, uh, working and doing that kind of thing. And uh, we still had that desire. So we kind of came back together and were like, hey, let's let's start some up again. And that's kind of how Discos Resaca was born. We uh, started recording, writing and, you know, working on lots of uh, new music and we started performing again. And then in that performance, kind of uh, as we were performing, we met a lot of people. And that's how, you know, we met these three wonderful sisters and uh, and it just fit naturally and we started working together and everything's just kind of organically coming together sounds great and we we mesh well in in you know musically personality wise and so it just makes the whole process so easy and uh, and everything just sounds sounds great so in total there's about I would say about 10 folks that we that we work with it's uh, we can get into naming names maybe at a later point but I want to you know, let them talk about how kind of they came into the fold. Um, we met La Colectiva at a Legionnaire performance that they were having. And you rarely see cumbia being played like that nowadays. Um, I think mostly you'll hear like more of a salsa kind of sound, which they also have, but they mostly have like a cumbia sound. And that was really fun to be a part of that. And on that day, they were actually filming a video for one of their songs and you know, they were like, everyone get on stage. And we just went on there and did our thing. And that's kind of the beginning of that. Um, so it was really fun. And the fact that we started working right off the bat and meeting all the members. And like Ivan said, we all mesh very well. I think that's really important. And that's why this has been such a like smooth thing, uh, project, you know, just all around. And it's it's great. It's been great. Mm-hmm. And as she meant, um, as Ivan mentioned, uh, we are sisters. Um, I'm the oldest, Marina, and then Natalie's in the middle, and Jasmine's the baby of the trio. We grew up in Oakland, so we're originally from the East Bay. Um, we currently live in Richmond, so it's kind of far, but still coming to Oakland all the time. Um, so it's been really fun to uh, be a part of this, uh, especially as musicians. You know, I think we we grew up singing. Um, I grew up playing a few instruments. Um, and just to find somebody, to find a band, you know, that we can really um, connect with and just explore and um, just have fun with in general, I think has been a, a huge blessing in my life. So it's been great. You've released your new EP, I Love You for All Seasons. Uh, where do you all record it? And how did you all decide to record that track? So that's kind of the first song we decided to work on together because it was, uh, as as Natalie mentioned, you know they they jumped on stage uh, at at the show in Legionnaire, which is something we we do, we commonly do. We'll, you know we'll do kind of like a jam out at the end and say, all right, there's always musicians in the audience, so we'll invite people up. And they had mentioned, oh, we sing, so they came up, and it was an instant connection. You know, so they said, okay, let's start working, <clears throat> let's work on some music, and through some ideas of some songs that uh, we had written before, and then we're like, okay, so we picked like three songs, and then. Then uh, just randomly thought, hey, why don't we why don't we take a, a oldie, 
you know, like it was one of my favorite songs growing up and hearing like in the na- in the neighborhood and people driving by and just barbecues. I was like, you know, why don't we take a, a song and, and, and put like our own spin on it? They took the idea and made it into something even beyond what uh, could even have imagined it was going to become. And uh, we recorded it uh, in two places. We recorded it at pretty much like our home studio, which uh, uh, one of our, our our band members, uh, Fabian, we call him the, the doc. Uh, he's he's uh, not only our bass player, but he also handles uh, a lot of the uh, recording duties. He's he's a great engineer. So we have a lot of talented talented folks uh, in house, and uh, we also recorded uh, vocals uh, with uh, Cool Kyle with Sonido Bailando. So another talented engineer, producer, DJ out here in the Bay Area. So it's really like a family effort with a lot of folks that we are friends with and work with. For those that haven't listened to your music before, can you describe your sound? And also, if they haven't been to one of your concerts, what's it like? So, I mean, for myself, uh, this is Natalie speaking, um, I would say that our sound, I started this hashtag on Instagram, like, Cumbioldi, because I think, well, especially with seasons, but I think also, like, in general, we our sound kind of has that, you know, they have some boleros going which is kind of like oldie in a way and then cumbia obviously in the mix so i think we have all these kinds of different genres you know they also have this song um that's really in their old files but then they brought it up and it's kind of like a salsa but also has some kind of different vibes into it so i think we're definitely out there with the latino so like sound so like you know salsa cumbia all that stuff but also with seasons we were able to bring that like oldie to it so i think that was cool um I had never heard it. I'm sure there's other, you know, projects that have sounded like that. But I was like, that's the cumbioli right there. Like, like, click, that's original. And um, I would just describe our sound as that. I think we like to play around with different genres, but still keeping it, you know, in Espanol um, and all that good stuff and kind of mixing it up. And I think that's what makes kind of our sound so original. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll also add that, uh, yeah, we, we grew up listening to cumbia, you know, um, just Latino music in general, you know, um, corridos, banda, etc. So I think it's been really fun for me kind of um, experimenting with different genres and different sounds. Uh, we, we're, we're working on something new um, that, you know, we, we won't go into details yet <laughs> until, you know, we, we solidify what we're working on. But uh, I'm really excited just to, to be able to experiment and just mash up the different genres and, and see um, how people respond to it because I... You know, I myself had not heard something, you know, what my sister said, uh, coining the term um, cumbioldi. So that was, you know, I, I hadn't heard something like that either. And so just to hear, just to hear like the response and see how people have enjoyed it has been really gratifying for me. And I, you know, myself too, just hearing the song and hearing how it came out, I'm very, very proud of um, all of us and the work that we put into it and just making sure that it, you know, we did the song justice, which I, I think we did. And, it, you know, I just, I really enjoy yeah, I really enjoy doing all the different uh, genres. <clears throat> when you asked about the um, how our concerts are, uh, I think that mm, nothing, no other way to describe it other than like it's like a like a house party. Like we're always with family. Um, it always feels like we've known our like quote unquote fans or people like supporters. Um, like if we've known them forever, uh, we always see a lot of familiar faces every single time that you know at all of our performances. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's just no other way to describe it but like a intimate like house party every single time. It's just how it always feels. And I think it's because the band is like we're all very close too. So 
So we're going to hear the title track from your new EP, I Love You For All Seasons. And you already mentioned a little bit about the track, but tell us like who is in the band and also um, what the cover song is about. Okay, yeah. Um, so so yeah, this this uh, particular song, you know, it obviously features uh, Mariposas uh, del Alma on vocals. Um, you have myself, Ivan Flores on the accordion and and uh, helping out with some percussion. And then uh, basically the, our whole lineup, it's a... Uh, so on guitar, we have Eric Molina. Uh, on bass, we have Fabian Martinez. We have Pedro Rosales, who's a longtime Barry musician, you know, uh, in the, the Afro-Peru Afro scene. Uh, he does our, our congas and percussion. And we have Wilson Posada, who he's kind of the MC. He plays Weedle, and he's just, you know, he the hype man. You know, he's he, he does it all. He's... It's hard to put into one category what he does, and uh, and recently we've uh, added uh, our our friend Johnny from Combo Teseta, which is another great uh, Bay Area band uh, on timbal, and he brings a, a specific flavor to it. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it, the band's really coming together. I'm thinking, have I forgotten anybody? I feel like I'm forgetting some. Mm-hmm. And we have a uh, uh, actually Sion Baisteros on guitar as well. He helped uh, produce the song. So, you know, he helped out greatly, so I have to give him a shout-out for sure on that. Yes. And then uh, we have uh, Brian Brian Rivera, who's uh, actually from Fresno and uh, connected with us. And he ha- he's not only uh, an excellent songwriter, but he's a great vocalist, and he's, he's, uh, he's a band CEO. That's what we call him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Brian is the CEO. And, uh, yeah, so that's basically what happened. We put the song together. Decided to put it on vinyl. The song, you know, it just it means something special to a lot of us. For me personally, it means a lot to me because, you know, again, it reminds me of uh, memories growing up. You know, I grew up with a lot of folks that, uh, you know, the, the whole lowrider scene and, and, you know, the Chicano movement and, and, and all of that and, and East San Jose in the early 90s. And, you know, all these was part of life. It, it just it, it makes so much sense, you know, to do it because Cumbia is, is a huge part of our lives. All these is a huge part of our lives. And it was really just a blending of of those two things. Um, So for me, the song Seasons uh, was my first actual experience kind of writing something. And I mean, the song on its own is amazing. But since we are um, cumbia based and we're doing like this cumbia, I wanted to like add something that would be a little bit different. So the last part that we sing in Spanish, I wrote that so we could kind of instead of sing the song to the T, we kind of switched it up at the end. And that was the first time I ever wrote something. And so that when I hear the song, I'm like, wow, like I did that, like I wrote that. And even though it's just basically um uh, translating the original verse to Spanish, you know, you have to find a way to make it fit. So that was kind of like something new for me. And then from there, I started like writing more. So that's something I hope to get into and, you know, push into the future projects. But Seasons for me is always going to be like the baby. And I'm always going to like have a soft, like, you know, spot in my heart for it because it's literally the first song that we worked on. And it's just, it's the baby.
mentioned that you are all part of other musical collectives. So I know, Ivan, you're part of a Disco Resaca and a bunch of other Bay Area bands, too. You mentioned, like, La Colectiva Candelaria, too, right? Yeah, I've played with them before years back. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and then a couple of you ladies also mentioned you're part of the Chulita Vinyl Club. So how do you all, I guess, work together and get it, I guess, all straight since you guys are all part of other collectives as well? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Just, um... Like for me, it's just like um, I haven't really been been active in Chulita Vinyl Club lately just because I've been so caught up in the band stuff. But, uh, you know, like right after this, I'm going to a meeting that we're having with CBC. It's it's for me, it's fun. I love it. Um, It's like all out of love for music because Chulita Vinyl Club, we spin records and we DJ for everyone. And then with the band, we're performing. For me, it's not it's not like uh, like how do you get through it? It's like let's do it, you know. <laughs> well put. Yeah, I think for me it's kind of the same, and 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 I guess you know with uh, these Coastal Saka, the way this kind of works is uh, that's kind of I guess the house band for all these different projects that we all have, you know. Uh, so you know, for me as a musician, my strength and what I mostly do is I write. I write a lot of music, so. You know, sometimes it, it'll fall under a different category or a different project, but it's all basically like one family. I guess, you know, you could kind of say like a Motown type of thing where there's a lot of folks and different artists, but it's kind of one one family. And that's kind of how it is. I mean, I, I don't so much freelance with other groups so much anymore. Uh, I mean, this this is my focus. My heart is in, in writing and producing and, and working with the folks that uh, that we were, were lucky to have. And uh yeah, so I mean, it's it, it's a very time-consuming life, family, and all that stuff. But it, it it feels great to do what you love, and and I think that's what keeps us all going. But it's everything. Name. Yeah, everything we do <laughs> is just one project, you know. It's discos so, resaca. Discos resaca, but I mean, no, and for this, it's 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 kind of like uh, first name, last name, you know. So mariposas de alma, discos resaca. It's like it's it's uh not to make anybody feel uh, think anything weird but their their terms are kind of married to each other it's family you know yeah. they're related to one another and like you know it looks like on the surface it looks like there's 20 different projects but it's really <laughs> the same 5 10 people it's just a little name we gave yeah. uh, we gave we gave ourselves, gave ourselves. Yeah. yeah mariposas del alma but we are part of these goes resaca yeah so yes <laughs> And even though you're a fairly new band in the Bay Area, I've seen your flyers all over the place, and it seems like you play in a lot of local venues as well. Um, recently, you played at the San Francisco Carnival, and, and you unofficially opened for Los Tigres del Norte. How was that experience? <laughs> so, I mean, we, we weren't on the same stage, but honestly, it was just a great experience to be able to even play at Carnaval when Los Tigres were there. I Personally, for me, I was like, that was a historic event. I mean, if you look at the pictures now, you can see that the, the stage like stretched out three, four blocks away from where the main stage was. And, and just to be there on that same day, you know, we were on the stage, I believe, on Harrison Street, if I'm not mistaken. And we got a lot of that foot traffic um, 
that was going over to the stage uh, where the Tigres were playing. And it was cool because, you know, some people, we got some people that stopped. We got some people that would just turn their heads and kind of walk away, but at the same time be like, what are they doing? And that was fun to see, you know, because, um, like I said, for myself, when I first even experienced seeing these Closure Saka live, I was like, wow, you don't see this a lot. And so I'm sure that that's the same things that were going through those people's heads who were like walking down, trying to go see Los Tigres, but we're like, oh, wait, what's this? You know, so that was, that was definitely a top experience for me so far. I mean, every time we do th- things, it's like just gets more topped off and more topped off. And that's that's the cool part about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was it was very surreal for me as someone who, you know, my sisters and I were looking at like old pictures we have and we found a picture of us three from when we went to Carnaval like seven years ago. And so we've been going to Carnaval for a while, like every year, every year. It's like that's the weekend that we like block everything else off because it's like, oh, it's Carnaval weekend. That's what we're doing. <laughs> like nobody tells anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it like it was really surreal for me to be like, wow, like from attending Carnaval and here we are performing. I, I was just blown away. Um, the experience itself was amazing. Um, I, I, you know, I always enjoy performing and, um, but performing specifically at Carnaval was, it was like a dream come true. It was like a dream come true for a dream I didn't even know I had, to be honest. (laughs) So, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And for Marina, it was probably more amazing because I put my niece on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my little girl, she was up there, no stage fright. And I'm like, okay, here we go, uh, future mariposa. (laughs) (laughs) I know we love getting the kids up there. It's always so fun to see their little energy, like, just, I don't know, it feels, I feel like it feels the band, it feels everything. It does. And we have Eliseo on the Weedle, too. Yes. (laughs) It's like, it brings like a community sense, which is basically what we want to give out. You know, like everyone is included. Like, Mm -hmm. and speaking of, energy and i guess san francisco as well we're gonna play a song from one of your side projects ivan los leones de la cumbia and the song's called san juan it's kind of like an anthem to san francisco right so yeah well the bay area you know because like uh, i'm not gonna sing it but you know san juan <laughs> san, san benito san panchito san jose so we stretch out the band members we not only stretch out in terms of what countries we represent but also what parts of the state we represent when we have folks all the way from out from uh you know fresno salinas and you know south bay you know and uh, east bay and san francisco so we're all from all over the state and also representing countries different countries obviously mexico salvador nicaragua you know puerto rico uh, peru basically all the americas and all, all of california is uh is we just naturally represent all that and we and that's kind of what went behind the song we wanted to be like okay this is where we're we may not all have been born here in the bay area but this this is our home we love it and we're going to give shout outs to all the people in the in the community doing their thing
San Panchito y San José Esta tierra mía compadre donde yo me crié San Juan, San Benito y San Panchito y San José Esta tierra mía compadre donde yo me crié Chito y San José, esta tierra mía, compadre, donde yo me crié. San Juan, San Benito y San Pachito y San José, esta tierra mía, compadre, donde yo me crié. For those uh, listeners who want to hear a little bit more of this new genre you guys coined, Kumbioli, <laughs> where can they listen to you guys? When is your next show? And also, can you tell our listeners where they can get your music? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the f- best place to stop is our website, which is discosresaca.net. There you'll find video, all the videos we've put out. You'll find links to the music that we have. You'll find uh, announcements of shows and links to our social media, which is uh, probably the best way to get a hold of us. Um, the next show on the calendar right now is uh, is going to be June 29th, and that's going to be in San Jose at the uh, the flea market. Yeah. Uh, they opened up a whole new <laughs> thing down there. I haven't been down there yet, so I got to get down there to check it out soon before the show. But uh, it's going to be in the evening. It's a 7 p.m. start time. Uh, so San Jose Flea Market, the Verriesa, the Verriesa Flea Market, we used to call it, um, June 29th. It's at the um, Garden at the Flea, it's called. I'm really excited for that uh, event because I was just there for the first time, when was it, last Sunday? Um, the Jack Moves was there performing with uh, Almas Fronterizas. It was amazing. It was an amazing show. I hadn't been there before. Chulita Vinyl Club actually played at Garden at the Flea when it barely opened, but I wasn't able to make it. But to be there, like, 
after all, uh, so close to the date that I wasn't able to make it, it was so much fun. And our event is going to be at night. The Jack Moves and Almas Fronterizas uh, gig was during the day. It was during the morning, you know, when the pulga is cracking. It's super full. And um, so I want to see how it's going to turn out, you know, an evening show there. I've never been at the pulga at that late, you know. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw my two cents in there about that. <laughs> so, yeah, the next big thing that we're working on is uh, we're actually have a full full album, a uh, full 11-song album coming out. Uh, going to feature basically everything we've been working on the past few years. Uh, some new stuff from uh, Mariposas, you know, new stuff from uh, uh, the projects that we're, we're all a part of um, within the Disco Resaca umbrella. And uh, hopefully there's going to be another surprise uh, added to that mix. Basically, I also wanted to just give a shout out to all the folks that have been supporting this the last record we put out and the one prior to that san juan and then building off that into uh, what, what the release with seasons is really traveled the world it's been amazing to see how 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 well it's traveled i mean we have people in japan that are just going crazy over it people in europe that are listening to it buying it you know sending them everywhere it's just interesting to see the the order list that comes in and uh and all the different places all over the world that it's going. And unfortunately right now it's all sold out, but our album's coming out soon. And if you missed out on the San Juan record, if you missed out on the Seasons record, all those songs and more are going to be on the album, so you can get that. And it's going to be a full uh, 12-inch LP that we're putting out. So we're all excited about that. Thank you to everyone who has been so supportive. I cannot stress it enough how much it means to us um, as a band and individually as well. I think... It goes into play with everything. We're so grateful for everyone. Locally, um, you know, in Japan, like Ivan said, we've had orders from like El Salvador, um, which is originally where we, um, you know, carry our blood from, Mexico and El Salvador. So it's just been crazy to know that people, even outside the Bay Area, are enjoying this. So this is just an all-inclusive thank you to everyone. This is all possible because of you. So Thank you so so much. Yeah, especially shout out to um, the parents that bring their little their little ones to like say hi to us and say, oh, they love your record. Can you sign it? That that just warms me warms my heart so much. Um, you know, as a parent myself, I'm like, oh, I see my baby and all these little girls, and it's it's just really cute to see. So um, thank you to everybody who shares their music with their little ones too. Yeah, shout out to Lila and Billy. I know they're gonna be hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you guys for coming on the show. I'm super excited to see what you all have planned next since I hear that you have future projects coming up. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. And thank you all for coming to La Raza Chronicles. Thank you, Ivan, Marina, Jasmine, and Natalie from Mariposas del Alma. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. If you'd like to stay up on our news, like us on Facebook at La Raza Chronicles on Facebook. If you want to hear this program or share it with a friend, you can go to soundcloud.com slash La Raza Chronicles and share it. If you have any ideas for interviews we should be doing or would like to get involved with our collective, you can email us at lajasachronicles at kpfa.org. Muchísimas gracias y buenas noches.